life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat, will eat its fruit. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That is a fact. That is a reality as we're going to see. Now, let's just recap on some of the things we've already said about our authority. Looking at, looking at Luke chapter 10 from verses 17 to 20, there were a few things that we highlighted when it comes to the authority of a believer. First of all, we established that God's kingdom is spiritual and it's also supernatural. And that from that vantage point, the kingdom of God influences everything else in the natural and also in the spiritual. And as believers that are committed to being disciples of Christ, we have to understand our authority in the new creation and also exercise that authority of God if we want to impact assault and light. And we said um, the term kingdom authority really, we're talking about exercising the supernatural power that is resident within God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not just about character reformation. It is supernatural. We have become new creation. A new creation that allows the kingdom of God to be expressed through us. And in Luke um, 10, 70 to 20, there were a few things that we emphasized. We said the first thing, when you read these verses, and because of time, I'm not going to read it, but when we read these verses, we see the first thing is that the 70 were surprised at the authority they were able to exercise when the Lord sent them out to minister in his name. In the same way that many times believers don't realize the authority that they have, and when they begin to see it being demonstrated, they are really surprised by it. Second point we said is that the enemy and his cohorts, that's the devil and his cohorts, are all defeated votes. In verse, verse 18, our Lord says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The enemy is already a defeated foe. So when you are dealing with issues that have a demonic origin to it or a demonic element to it, you need to recognize that as a child of God, you already are assured of victory if you exercise your authority. The third point we, we emphasize in these verses is that we have to know our authority as believers. In verse 19, the Lord said to them, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power or all the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, to me, that's such a powerful promise. The reality that we have the authority or the right to exercise power or force over the enemy and over all his ability and that when it comes to the enemy, he has no right to harm us. Say, the enemy has no right to harm me. Say, the enemy has no right to harm me. He has no right to harm you. You know, I'm, I mean, at times, in my experience, when I'm dealing with issues that appear overwhelming, I hide behind the force of God's word. And you find you become impregnable when you do that. And then the fourth thing we said is that as we exercise our authority, we must celebrate our salvation. Because our Lord says, yes, you have this authority, but verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. 
Beloved, the authority that we exercise is not what we should be excited about. It's the reality that we are saved, that we are being saved, and that we shall be saved. We're saved in terms of we're, we're, we are assured of eternal life of the Father. We are being saved as our minds are being renewed, our souls are being transformed to be like our Lord Jesus in our personality, in our souls, and ultimately we'll be saved when we are given a glorified body when our Lord returns. So that is the kind of backdrop, backdrop when we're talking about authority. Now let's talk about the power of words. So death and life, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. The words that you and I speak will either agree with what God says in his word or will contradict what he says. And whatever is influencing our words according to scripture governs our lives. Whatever influences our words is what is governing our lives as we're going to see. And we must appreciate and stand in our authority as believers from a vantage point that we are, we are saved because of what Jesus has done and because of the authority that God has invested in us through the finished work of our Lord Jesus. And that is what we should allow to influence what we say and the things that come out of our heart. Now, the finished work of our Lord is such an awesome reality. And I'm hoping that Good Friday I'll go into it more. But I want to read a bit of a long section of scripture, just touch on one or two things from Colossians chapter 2, which really outlines for us what the Lord has done for us. And again, I want, to, I want to repeat this point. When we are exercising authority, it must be from the reality of what Jesus has done for us. It cannot simply be because maybe today I'm feeling good or because maybe um, right now I'm praying well or I'm fasting or I'm reading my Bible. These things are good, don't get me wrong. But it must be because of our confidence in what our Lord has done. And it is from that that we are exercising authority when it comes to every aspect of our lives. But Colossians chapter 2, and, and uh, I gave it to you in your notes in the New Living Translation. So I'm hoping that is the translation you're going to have up there. Um, I was hoping that this Sunday, uh, uh, sound team, that I had the, the, the thing that I requested. You know, I'm not sure what happened. You know what I requested, didn't it? Headman. So next week, make sure that what I requested is manifested. Is our secret. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 6. It says, New Living Translation. Is that what's up here? Is that what you got? If you've got your notes, it's in there. So it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. This is what we as a church are pursuing. Let your roots go down into him, Christ Jesus, and let your lives be built on him. Then, your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking 
and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Listen, you are complete through your union with Christ. I don't know if you're getting it. You are complete, not you will be complete. You are complete, spirit, soul, body. You are complete, past, present, future. You are complete, money or no money. You are complete, job or no job. You are complete, married or divorced. You are complete through your union with Christ. Amen. What verse am I in? 10. Okay, so I'm in 11 now, right? When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Now, look at what he's showing us. So these verses, I like this version. I think I, I might be using it a lot more because it's, it's a teaching itself. You just read it. You just get the understanding. See, when you came to Christ and, 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 and through the waters of baptism specifically, the sinful nature was cut off from you. It's power to govern you, your thinking, your attitude, the sinful nature that before controlled everything that you did and you weren't even aware that you were being controlled was cut off. That's why after you get saved, every time you do something wrong, you're aware of it because it's against your nature because the sinful nature that governed you has been cut off. So even though in your flesh, the nature is still there, in your spirit, it's no longer there. So because your spirit has been reborn, has been made anew. Are you there? Are you there? Okay, what verse are we in? No, 11b. Christ performed the spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. You, were, you see, water baptism it's not just a symbolic act of a spiritual thing. No, it is, it is an ordinance that has supernatural properties to it. Just like the communion table that we take, it's not really a table, but the, the bread and the wine that we take is not just bread and wine, but there is a spiritual power behind it. So the waters of baptism, there is a supernatural element behind it. So just like the, the bread and the wine, every time you take the bread and the wine by faith, you are enforcing what God has done on the cross through the body, through your union with the body, and through the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. That's why communion is so powerful. That's why we have to take it. That's why we have to just take it. And I encourage you to keep taking communion. In my mind, this is how it works. If I take communion, let's say I'm taking communion, whatever I've been going through, when I take communion, whatever I've been going through, whatever the enemy was trying to put me, immediately zig is wiped off clean. That's how powerful for me. That's how it is. I don't know how it is for you. Hallelujah. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and you and with with Him you were raised to new life because you look at this because you trusted the mighty power of God. In other words, when you were baptized. Your act of baptism, because it was an act of faith, when you came out of the water, you were raised to a new life. 
because of the faith you had in what Jesus has done. It trusted in my power of God who raised Christ from the dead. 13. You were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That's before you were baptized. In other words, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. This is a bit I want you to see. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, in what he did on the cross, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And because of this reality, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. I mean, I mean we, could, we could stay here and, and talk on this alone. But verse 20, verse 20 of the same portion of scriptures. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. You have died with Christ and he has set you free. Not he will set you free. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Do you have night terrors? Do you have demons that are harassing you? Listen to me. You have been set free. Not you will be set free. You have been set free. It's a con job. The enemy is conning you, making you think that you are not set free. You have been set free. It's like a poor person who is now a billionaire, but is still acting like they are still poor. Yeah. Okay. Clap, clap, clap. I'm, I'm saying you should clap. I'm just saying somebody clap. Right, so, so why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. In other words, listen, why are you allowing your life to be governed by the way the world does things. It may seem like a good idea, the things that are encouraged in this world, you know, be your own person, you know, trust in, do your way, you know, have it your way, you know, don't let nobody rule over you, you know, don't let people boss you around. It may seem like a good idea, but it doesn't help you from being able to live a righteous, victorious life and walk in the authority that you have as a child of God. It doesn't help you. Because the ways of the kingdom are humility. The ways of the kingdom are, are allowing Christ to be first. Allowing Christ to be the one that is the paradigm out of which we live our lives. So whether it's how we relate to each other, whether it's how we we serve God's people, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's how we handle our money, whether it's how we handle our children, is done from a place of reliance on Christ. It's done because we are united with Christ. It's done because we want to please Christ. And in walking in our authority, we do it as an expression of our devotion to Christ. Like at times when I have attacks of the enemy, you know, because of what I, what I do, at times... I will allow it to happen. And at times I'll say, you know what? Tonight I don't want any visits. I actually don't want it. Because I've had enough. You know, I want to sleep now. 
So I don't need any visits. I don't want anything. And then I won't have any visits. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just saying, you know, you don't have to allow. The, you know, sometimes I catch myself and say, why am I even going through this thing? Have you ever been dreaming a dream? You're dreaming a dream. And as the dream is going and you say, you know what? I'm dreaming. I'm waking up now. Have you ever, anyone ever done that? You want me to tell you what that is? Your spirit is strong. That's what it is. It means your spirit, you can rule your spirit. And so anytime, so when I'm dreaming a dream, sometimes I'm dreaming a dream, and I say, I want, and now it's time to fly. I want to fly. I want to be, I want to fly. And so because I'm a witch, I want to fly. It's my dream. I want to fly. And then sometimes I'm running, then I'm running, and I want to run faster, and I'm running faster than the bounty. Faster, faster, faster. And then it's like, okay, I'm not tired in this dream. Oh, I'm, I'm in this, I'm swimming. And I, I think, you know, I'm swimming, but it's my dream. I can breathe. I want to breathe now. It's, after it's my dream. Matrix. Let's move on quickly. <clears throat> so, it's just a foundation about our authority. The vantage point by which we live our Christian life. Now, I appreciate that it's a process of revelation. As you grow in faith, you grow in confidence and you appreciate these things. But I'm telling you, sometimes it's as simple as just reading these scriptures over and over again. So, like, just get a version that you understand. Look, I like the King James. You know, in my old church, that's all we read. And so I kind of, um, there's this bit of a, I'm not sure if it's a bondage or whatever, but there's a, there is a, an affinity to the new King James. But honestly, honestly, read a, read a version that you understand. You know, that you understand what it's actually saying. Amen. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right, so, so that's the foundation. Now, the thing about words is, your words is what really enforces the kingdom. Your words primarily are the vehicle by which the kingdom is enforced. Believe it or not. Your words. Look at what our Lord says. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37. Now, I remember the first time I heard that kind of phrase, I thought, nah, what about people who can't talk? You know, you know, you know but, but as I look at it scripturally, I realize even people who can't talk communicate. It's about communication. The words that we speak is the vehicle, the primary vehicle by which we allow the kingdom of God to be enforced. Now, the kingdom is enforced in other ways through just how we live our lives for sure. Um, but the words that we speak affects everything else, everything else in our lives. And the thing that shocks me when I study words it's not so much what I find in the Old Testament, but it's what I find in the New. What I find about what our Lord says and what the apostles themselves said. Look at Matthew chapter 12 from verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else, now this is New King James, all right? Or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. How can you be an evil speak good things? Look at the connection. So make the tree good. And its fruit will be good, else the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. And then he says, brood of vipers. In other words, the children of snakes. Can you imagine? You're talking to someone and say, you, you are a child of a snake. That's what the Lord said. Doesn't sound very um, gentle, meek amount. But it was correct. Brood of vipers. 
How can you be in evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, it is not possible for an evil heart to speak good things. Now look at what he says. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle or useless word or word without power, men may speak. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified. That is, you'll be rendered innocent and you'll be rendered free. It's from the Greek word dikaio is to render or show something as innocent or just. And by your words, you will be condemned. In other words, you will be judged against and pronounced guilty. So it is your words that are used to acquit you, and it's your words that are used to condemn you. That's what the Lord says. So here's the question. What have you been saying? What have you been saying over your life what have you been saying to each other in your context? What have you been saying about your work? What have you been saying about your church? What have you been saying about your ministry? What have you been saying about your friendships? You know what? I have been really convicted of late. And I'm still repenting. And I'm, I'm still being convicted. About how at times I speak about people. I have been. Because in my job that I do, I deal with people. In my job. My job is people. People, people. I don't deal with sheep. As in um, sheep. I don't deal with animals. I deal with people. I don't deal with. In my job, it's always people. That's my job. So when you're dealing with people, you talk about people. Because you're dealing with people. If, if you're working on cars, what do you talk about? Cars, isn't it? Why are you looking at me? I'm asking you a question, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you if you if you if you if you are working on chairs, you talk about chairs. Who wants to talk about chairs? Only people who work on chairs. If you if you if you what else? What else do people work on these days? Food. <laughs> I don't work on food, but um, I like talking about food as well. So, but what I've noticed is because I I work with people, I talk about people, and sometimes. I can say things that are not very nice about people. Have you ever done that before? Hey, is that true? And there's a scripture that I keep hearing in my spirit. Speak not evil about others. I keep hearing it for you <laughs> and for me. <laughs> yeah. So. Your words, the things that so I'm, I'm convicted about it and I'm working on it. And when I say, when I sleep up, I say, I'm sorry. I open my mouth, I'm sorry. And then sometimes I go to the people that I said the things, things that I have said that were not right. And I say, you know what? The thing that I said, it was wrong. I'm sorry. I should have said that. I was out of order. There is no ambiguity. Everything I said was rubbish. There's nothing good about what I said. Just in case I'm held to account. I cancel it immediately. Say to your neighbor, it's time to cancel some things. Sell them. Because it's by my words I'm going to be justified. And it's by my words I'm going to be condemned. I should tell you, even sometimes when we're chatting, we're just talking, husband and wife. Sometimes I might say something, she might say something, and I say, mm, I don't think we should be. Don't, no, don't say that. It's not, it's, don't, let's, don't say that. 
it's kind of like kills the mood, you know. You know, you're, you know, talking and this and that and this. Don't, don't say that. Sorry. Because she's spiritual, it doesn't really matter. I get away with it. Yeah. I'm just saying. Imagine, you're, you know, you and your sweetheart, you're just chatting away, talking. You know, life is, yeah, and I don't want the way they said that. Yeah, and then, and then, I don't, no, 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 don't be saying that. Come on, don't, why are we saying that for? Don't say that. Oh, really? Okay, fine. Forget that, isn't it? Yeah, but that, she doesn't do that. Amen. Why? You have to, you have to start arresting your words. Say to your neighbor, arrest your own words. Yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to, because it's by your words. I'm talking about the authority of the believer. Understand your authority. It's linked in your words. Your words carry a lot of weight. Okay, let's turn to James. James chapter 3. Now, James, I think, should be studied studied, especially chapter 3. Yay! You should study James chapter 3 because he really talks about words and how we talk. Look at it, verse 1. My brethren, or brothers and sisters, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a strict judgment. In other words, don't be quick to be telling people what to do like I'm doing right now. Like, like what I'm doing right now, I'm going to receive a stricter judgment. Right? So don't be quick. Those of you who, 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 Austin used the word covet. I'm not going to use that phrase. Those of you who aspire, thank you, a very spiritual word, aspire to be like me and be standing and decreeing to everybody, make sure you're judging yourself harder than you judge everybody else because you are going to get a stricter judgment. Why? For, verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle or control or harness the whole body. In other words, once you control your tongue, you can control everything else about your life. It's not just talking about your physical body. It's your whole being. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body look also at ships although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires now he's saying basically you look at a, a horse a horse is a very powerful creature yet it's a little bit in its mouth that turns it this way turns it that way and same thing with ships as huge as they are they are controlled in a small room by a little steer or a pilot. You know, as the pilot just guides the rudder of the, that big thing, the whole thing turns in its direction. And he's using that to tell you about your mouth. Verse 5. In fact, yeah, he says, let me look up four again. Also at ships, they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Wherever the pilot desires. Huh. Who is piloting your rudder? Who's the, who's the pilot that desires to turn your rudder? Even so, the tongue is a little member and both great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members 
that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. <laughs> this is one of the reasons I am convinced why the Spirit of God, when it comes into us, controls the tongue as one of the ways by which he demonstrates that he's in there as we speak in our known tongues because the tongue in fact you see in the tower of Babel when God wanted to dis, um, stop their rebellion he changed how they spoke so everyone was speaking different so they couldn't understand each other and on the day of Pentecost he kind of turned it around and caused them to speak in unison the heavenly language to show that now he controls the new ethnic which is the body of Christ. Okay, quickly. Eight again. For, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing my brethren. These things ought not to, not to be so. Okay. So what he's saying, one of the things is this. Your words affects the direction of your life. Verse 6. Verse 6, the NIV version says it like this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. New Living Translation says it like this. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself i want to read one more version to emphasize the point amplify says this and the tongue is in a sense a fire the very world of injustice and unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life the cycle of man's existence and it's itself set on fire by hell or Gehenna. So what he's saying is this. When your tongue is controlled by hell, your whole life comes under the influence of hell. Judgment and chaos because of your tongue. So therefore, the, the, if you switch it, if you flip it, it's also so. If heaven is controlling your tongue, or if the word of God is controlling your tongue, then the kingdom of God is being enforced through your words in your life. Are you listening to me? The reality is that your words are a product of what's in your heart. And if God's word is in your heart, not in your mind, not because you memorized it, but no, it's in your heart. How do you know if it's in your heart? When it controls your behavior. That's how you know. Know that you memorized it, but you know that God's word is in your heart when you are going to make a decision and then because of what the Bible says, you make a different decision. That's when the word is controlling your is in your heart. He says, your word I've hidden in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. He says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. By listening to your word. 
That's how. It, that's how. Listen, these visions and dreams that different ones are having, they're saying the same thing. It's time to put the word in your heart. It's time to allow God's word to govern your heart and come out of your mouth. I remember many years ago, um, in, in, it was, I think it was 1989, 90, um, I, I was in Ghana and um, I had this dream. And in my dream, I was being attacked by these forces. They, they were on horses and they came and they had all these weapons. And I had no weapon except what I said. And I, I remember as a young Christian thinking, what a rubbish weapon I had. So I would have to speak, and as I speak, it will become a weapon and it will hit them. Meanwhile, they had these spears, these things. But my weapons, I'll just speak and then it will become a weapon and hit them. Speak, become a weapon and hit them. And when I woke up, I wasn't too impressed with that because I thought, ah, I should have had some big gun and or some sword and grab, grab. But I, I, I defeated them. But the point was, that's all I had. How true. That's all we have is the word. The word is the weapon we have. There is no other weapon. There is no other weapon. Your will is not a weapon. It can be a handicap. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's the word. How do you think the enemy was defeated by our Lord? Not because he was the incarnate son of God, but because he relied on the word. Listen, the enemy is smart. Let me tell you something. Yesterday I was, hearing, I was listening to Pastor John talking to um, Pastor Nicholas, and he, Pastor John said to him, Pastor Nicholas, listen, heaven was a perfect place, perfect place. And this guy was able to take out one third of heaven in the perfect place. Don't underestimate him. At times Christians say things like, devil, I stamp on your head, I tread on your mother-in-law. I, I, you don't know what you're talking about. We're not glorifying the devil. The only reason why we have authority is because of Christ. Amen. It's because of Christ. And he knows as long as you're in Christ and your paradigm is through Christ and you're trying to please Christ in your context, he can't touch you. But if, you, if he can get you to slip out of it and say, you know, I know what the Bible says, but you don't understand what I'm going, ah, then he's got you. Ah, yeah, I hear what you say, but uh, you know, in your day, Pastor Joe, it was different. You, you were in the 80s. This is, uh, this is the teens. This isn't the 80s. This is the teens. You know, it's, uh, 30 years later, old man, 30 years later. As long as you think like that, he's got you. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. You may think tablets are new. There's a scripture. Write the vision upon what? Tablets. It's not new. The vision should be written. So when we are writing on tablets today, we are fulfilling scripture. Hallelujah. There's nothing new under the sun. Write the vision upon tablets. That you may run and read it. Yeah. Different kinds of tablets. Anyway. Quickly, because of time, my time's up. You are supposed to be helping with the time. My time's up. We're going to continue. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So I want to just encourage you to take charge again of the words. And if you've allowed your words to kind of be a bit loose and stuff, you haven't been governing your words, you haven't been allowing them to align with God's word, and today... You are you're making a fresh dedication in that regard. Why don't you stand right now 
And we're just going to pray for grace from the Father to walk in the good of his word by the words we say. As you stand, raise your hands to him. Those of you online, if you want to do the same, just right now focus your heart on him. And just tell him, Father, thank you for your word. And uh, today I rededicate my tongue and my heart and my tongue to you that you will govern how I speak. Just tell him right now. Your words will govern how I speak and that you will bring my heart and my attention to where I go wrong so that I will speak the words of life. Father, I ask for grace upon these precious ones standing. Lord, I pray you give us grace to take charge of our words. Lord, by placing your word in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. By placing your word in our hearts so that it controls what we say. By placing your word in our hearts so that you are glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, we are going to take our offering at this time. If I could ask the ushers to please um, hand out the envelopes. If you need an envelope, please indicate by raising your hand so they'll uh, give one to you. Uh, just a reminder that if you are making out a check, it's to CLF Greenwich. Um, we, have, we have previously prayed, but I will... Just pray, I will pray again for those who are looking for, for work. Keep your hands raised so that they know who you are, please. Oh, sorry, could I have the worship team as well? Just come very quickly. Amen. What a word, eh? Slow to speak. We have to be slow to speak. Thank you, Lord. Father God, um, we just want to thank you for the grace and the, uh, the blessing to be able to give into your house, Father. We pray, Lord, uh, that you will bless those who are able to give and even those who can't give but intend to give, Lord. I thank you that your blessing rests upon your people, Father, in Jesus' name. For thou 